Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are at episode 15. 15. So what are we talking about today? Do you know? Uh, I think we're talking about sourcing, which is, you know, a good topic this time of the year. Do you think there's enough for us to talk about? Well, given that 100% of the money we make comes from things we source, yeah, I think there's enough to talk about. Okay. And especially since the Q4, I think it's very relevant, right? Because... You need to find places to source, right? Especially at a time when there's so much money to be made. Mm. Like you don't want to be stuck going into a store going, I can't find anything. And mm. then you just go home and, you know, cry yourself to sleep or something. Yeah. I, do you I, do that? Do you cry yourself to sleep? I haven't done that in a couple of days. A couple of days? I'm just kidding. Okay. No, I don't do that regularly. So talk to me. So right now, I, I know everything's about Q4, Q4, but even before Q4, like, very beginning, when you started doing this whole reselling thing, what did you look to when you were sourcing? Garage sales, thrift stores. That was it. Okay, and why is that? I, I think that's the obvious. I mean, when I when you think eBay, and I think part of it is platform, right? Like the, the mindset of, of what you're selling on um, is you, you get used stuff and you sell it. Primarily because, you know, I knew making money on eBay – through selling my own used stuff. So if I could buy other people's used stuff, sell it on, on eBay. Uh, so that was, that's kind of where I started. Okay. Um, and I find that those are still probably my favorite sourcing places as of now. So why are they your favorite? I love the hunt. Yeah, isn't, I, I, I agree. Like, I don't mind doing some retail arbitrage and we'll talk about that, but there's still something about finding something, right, for a small yeah. price and just flipping it for a lot. Yeah, and you, can, you there's a hunt to the retail arbitrage when you're scanning items and, you know, it, it, there's a little bit of a risk factor there. And, and, it, and it can be exciting. But, man, there is something about finding the most bizarre, random item ever and then, yeah, selling it for a ton of money. Speaking of which, that gives me an idea. What's where are you going now? Uh, well, we'll see. You can tell me whether this is a good one or not. Okay. But I've got this idea. Hopefully, everyone's doing good on your Macari challenge. Keep keep updating us oh, on your Macari right. challenge. By now, I I've I've listed a few items. Yeah, it's good stuff. Okay, but let's we'll get talk about that okay. on our update episode. Uh, but okay, so here's another idea. I don't want to have too many things out there, but I got another challenge idea. All right, what's your challenge idea? All right, here's my challenge idea. What if we did and and. I could do it, you can do it, and then we can get as many of our listeners that want to do it too, a $5 garage sale challenge where you have $5 while you're outsourcing to find the most bizarre, weird, So basically interesting you, want, you item. want people to lose money. Well, I mean, if you can make money off it, great, but it's $5, right? So like if you can get like, you know, a, a giant statue that's also uh i don't know a speaker i don't know like just something that's weird for five dollars and post it and it could be like the weird garage sale five dollar challenge okay does they have to sell it i don't know you could sell it you could donate <laughs> it you can if you so sell we're, it we're bonus just gonna points. fill in some feeds with a bunch of weird stuff why not like because <laughs> okay. that's the thing is sometimes sometimes you go to garage sales and you see something and you're like really like Somebody's selling this. Like, why did somebody buy this? In I the think first it'd be place? fun. Yeah. So tag us. Let us know. That, yeah. That'd be fun. We, we no won't. prize. It's just a good feeling just for fun. Yeah. Of having fun and showing weird stuff. Yeah. So uh, hopefully the next couple of weeks I'll post a, a a bizarre five dollar challenge. We'll come up with a name for it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. So okay, let's get back to it. All right. So we're talking about you said thrift stores and garage sales, yep. right? Yep. And we both agree like the hunt. It's fun. 
right? It's fun. And it's and it's also like less like of a loss, right? Because sometimes you'll buy stuff and you're like, yeah, I only spent a dollar or two dollars. Yep. It's okay that I lost that money, right? Or you'll buy a bunch of stuff and there's only a few items that you needed and it's still worth it to you, right? So now what, what do you do with your stuff that you buy when you go sourcing at garage sales and thrift stores? Um, I inventory it. <laughs> it's like a very beginner's I episode. Take pictures. I list it. I ship it, and I make money. Okay. All right. Episode done. Yep. That's it. No, no, no. no. Okay. Bing, bang, boom. What I'm talking about is like buy right, stuff and sell it. Obviously, you go to eBay. Obviously, you go to Poshmark. Do you pick up big items? I've picked up a few big items. Yeah. Um, they I'm starting to realize how much space they take up and you know then again that that changes what market you know big items I'm probably going to try and sell on Craigslist or locally okay so so that so sourcing is one of those things you got to think about like where are you going to sell this especially when you get to Q4 right yep. because there's going to be a lot of people in garage sales I, I would say like end of September like in October there's a like kind of like I, at least in San Diego, there's like a rush of garage sales again. Really? That's exciting. I mean, this is my first year doing garage sales, and that's I'm I'm terrified of the Saturday morning that I wake up and there's no garage sales. I'm not going to know what to do. Like, I make so much Maybe money at garage sales. in the Midwest. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. But you also, you know, are, are paying like one-tenth of the price we are for housing, and yeah, yeah, it's true. It, it, it evens out. Yeah, we have our friend that just bought a super nice house for – a fraction of the cost that we would pay. Yeah, like to to live in a, a like a two bedroom condo here is like half a million dollars. It's Ridiculous. Stupid. Okay. Anyways, keeping positive. Yeah. All right. So again, <laughs> we, and we talked market. about this in our last episode about you know big items, but even Q four items, right? You can flip again, like in the local game. Okay. But what are you sort? Okay. Let's talk about a little bit about like eBay and Poshmark. Like, do you source differently when you're thinking about those? Yeah, platforms? platform is huge, I think. And I don't, I try not to like, you know, give narrow definitions of like who the target audience is in, in every group because there's crossover for sure. Um, but I think, and I could be totally wrong on this, I haven't seen like actual numbers and metrics, uh, but it seems like, you know, the Generation Xers are probably on eBay a little bit more. Don't read Gen X? Uh, I'm a millennial. Oh, I think right. you're, I'm a lot older, I forget. Yeah. Sorry. sorry, I'm yeah. almost 40. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think it's, <laughs> well, you know, hanging out with me, keep you young. There you go. Um, so I think Gen Xers and maybe some of the, the older millennials are on eBay. Um, I think the, the, the younger millennials and definitely the, the Gen Yers are, are looking probably towards Posh. So there is definitely a different in difference in the types of things you're buying. So like we've talked in the past about you're buying, um, you know, certain vintage stuff. It might be going towards people of, you know, they're in their 30s, they're in their 40s, they're in their 50s. That's not to say vintage isn't coming back with the younger generation, right? Like people want vintage games and things like that. But uh, Poshmark, like I've found, we've sold quite a few guy items. We've sold quite a few baby items on there. Uh, but it seems like... What, what's the first guy items? Like men's? Yeah, men's. Oh, I thought you were saying like Gaia or something. Oh no, guy, guy, males, okay. men's, men's okay, right. clothing, okay, men's clothing, right. uh, male clothing, male clothing, men's clothing, okay, guy clothing. Okay. All right. Uh, so we've we've sold uh, quite a few of those items, and uh, I think though, I think women's clothing, higher end, is is the posh. Yeah, way. you mentioned that today, and I was kind of intrigued by that. So, 
like and when I'm saying higher end, I'm not saying like it has to be like the highest designer, like hundred thousand dollars for a dress, stupid high end, but but you know, nicer, nicer clothing. So you would say if people are sourcing, like let's say eBay is their main kind of platform, like they would source differently than if Poshmark was their main. Right. Platform. No, absolutely. Yeah. So so you're 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 probably not selling odds and end trinkets on Poshmark. Okay. Uh, you might be able to sell some really nice costume jewelry or maybe real jewelry or um, like Nike clothing or oh, so Nike's like big on Poshmark. Yeah, Nike's big. Um, I believe people I mean, I've sold a few Nike shoes on on Poshmark. It's interesting. So there's these there's this uh, guy and gal couple on Instagram um, Resi now, I think. I don't know mm. if you've seen them on uh-huh. there, but it was I was very, very interested in kind of the way they do their business because they, they list like where they sell stuff. And it was like Poshmark, Mercari, local, and like eBay was like bottom of the list. Really? Like one item, right? And I think part of that is probably, yeah, the items you source. Interesting. So that's good for me to know because when I'm sourcing, I'm primarily eBay. Mm -hmm. So anything goes on eBay. Yeah. But if I decide to go to Poshmark, I got to think differently about how I'm sourcing. Is that what you're saying? No, absolutely. I mean, in any business, you've got to think of your target market what's the clientele that's on there? And if the majority of the people on Poshmark are 20 to 30-year-old, you know, upper-middle-class women, then you want to be finding out what are they wearing, what are they buying, right? Um, And, of course, they're probably buying things for boyfriends and husbands and and children. So we've sold quite a few uh, baby items. And used is fine. Like, Poshmark, I I don't mean to say, like, it's it's high-end. It has to all be new with tags, even though that's obviously a plus. Uh, but we've, my son Judah is growing out of some of his clothing, um, and he had some really, really, really cute outfits, and they're selling like hotcakes on Poshmark because my wife, when she bought them, bought stuff that was really, really cute, and people her age that are having kids want to dress their kids in that style. So, And so you would say they would go to Poshmark over eBay? Yeah. Interesting. See, I don't know. I, I kind of like, I bristle when you hear, when I hear that. Because I think eBay still reaches all age ranges. I just think Poshmark's like cool. It's kind of like, you know, the the new student, like mm. the new Kelly Kapowski that shows up in the classroom. Is that okay? Can I use Kelly Kapowski? What are you talking about? See, by the bell. Oh, I think I saw some reruns. Oh my, do I feel old <laughs> right now? Okay, anyways. Right, because, okay, do you remember? Okay, those of you that watched Saved by the Bell, right? You had Jesse. Right, and you had Kelly, and you had Lisa, and then this gal Tori showed up, right? And Tori was like the military brat or something that showed up, and all the guys noticed Tori because she was new, right? And that's kind of how I feel like Poshmark is. But how new is Poshmark? It's been around for a few years. Yeah, but I think they've really stepped it up, and I, I don't know how, but it seems like a lot of YouTube influencers like started getting on the Poshmark train. So if that's the case, though. I mean, it could be a dying fad. I mean, we've seen things come and go. Um, but new could be like the next big, right? Like if, if a lot of influencers are behind it, if a lot of if the younger generation is there, if a lot of 20 year olds, I honestly, when I talk to people for the most part, just in my day to day life, I don't really know anybody who buys anything on eBay. That's so strange to me. But see, that's but, the thing. But then I think again, it's your, you and I are like ten years apart, right? And that's what I—that's okay. I think the the key here is. I think I think for you, people in your circle, eBay was it was the big hot new thing, and okay. so people still know it. People who like when I grew up, 
it was like my parents used eBay a little bit and that was kind of when it was big and it was starting to die out. Now kids growing up, just leaving high school and college, they didn't grow up with eBay. They grew up with, you know, Poshmark or other things that were, you know, just a different way. Like, I don't know. So I, I not to say that eBay is not still an amazing platform. I think it is. I think it does probably reach a, a broader group. But if Poshmark continues to grow the way it's growing, and if the clientele is the up-and-coming generation, the, the customer base is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Interesting. Okay. So when you're sourcing, you got to think about that. Like, what is your platform? Yep. Right? So I'm good with eBay. Like, you know, I still, Harley still sells well. Doc Martin <laughs> sells well. I just sold that a Frito-Lay hat for $25 that I picked up for $0.10. Cents. I'm guessing that Frito-Lay hat wouldn't have sold on Poshmark. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, because, again vintage things are kind of coming back. Like, well, I know Etsy's big on vintage, like 90s mm. stuff. So if I've heard, you know, there's a great uh, flippers out there, like uh, the college picker. Mm. So he's had a lot of success on Etsy. And I don't know if he's still doing that, but I remember back in the day, I'd watch his videos. And a lot of the 90s stuff, he was selling for good money that he couldn't sell on eBay, that he was selling on Etsy a lot faster. That's interesting. I've never even thought of selling on Etsy. My wife has bought quite a few things from Etsy to decorate her house. Like, you know, the cute things people make that are, you know, kind of crafty pictures and stuff like that. Uh, but it definitely makes sense that there's probably some things that I pick up or could pick up or, you know, I haven't been sourcing because, you know, it just doesn't work for what I'm selling, but that might work for Etsy. Yeah. So again, and it's another platform I should jump on. But that's the thing. Oh, man. Get on them all. Oh, okay. But what you got to think about then is we're saying is like, hey, when you're sourcing, you got to think, well, what platform, right? That's a big deal as to what you're going to sell. So for me, maybe it's just because I'm just used to buying a certain thing and I'm mm. still making sales. Like, I'm going to keep sourcing at eBay. I, I think I'm going to do some Mercari. But do you remember... Well, I am doing Mercari already. Yeah. But I think I'm going to do some more Mercari. Do you remember, though, and and I don't know how much you'd already tried this, but I remember we were at a friend's house and we were just having, okay. like, a get-together and a chat. And we were talking about you selling eBay. I was not selling at that point. And I mentioned that people could sell on Amazon and we were talking about it. And I think, I don't know if I was like the first person to mention it to you or if you had already kind of dipped your toes in it a little bit, but I know I, either you hadn't started yet or were thinking about starting Amazon at that point. And now Amazon is a huge moneymaker for you. Can mm -hmm. you imagine if you were still stuck in eBay is, is my, my moneymaker? Oh, there's no way I could have gone full time. Yeah. There's just no way. So what if Poshmark I mean, there is, is a way, Amazon for you? But it would have been a lot more work. Right. So maybe maybe the Poshmark is the Amazon to me. I, I'll never forget. I remember there was a another lady that I know that sells on eBay, and she had been selling eBay for a long time, and I brought up the idea of I may go FBA. Mm. And she goes, Orlando, you got to do it. Mm. Like that is perfect for you because you don't have the inventory space. You also don't have the time, right? Because, you know, you're also working as an administrator and there's no no way you could do both of these things. And I kind of I said, oh, yeah, I'll dabble into it. And now I look back and go, man, I should have been doing Amazon yeah, FBA earlier, a long time ago. Earlier. And I mean, I wish I would have got in when I talked to you about it. I mean, that was what, four years ago? Yeah, and that was when like- Five years ago? Amazon FBA was like the place to be. It still is, but- I'm gated on almost everything now. If I would have jumped in when you did, I would have probably had a better chance of being grandfathered in on no, some agree, of those items. I agree. I agree. I agree. I should have been in there. So since we're talking about Amazon, let's talk about sourcing for Amazon. Yep. Right? How so, does that work? So you're the Amazon guy. So tell me, what what is your process when you're sourcing for Amazon? Okay. Well, 
Bef- okay, let okay, let's talk about that. So Amazon is a place where you got to be careful where you source, right? I still do thrift stores, but I've kind of gotten away from that. Mm. You know, in the beginning, before they started doing this whole, like, every month is going to be, like, long-term storage fees, Amazon Inventory Performance Index. I'm surprised they still can say that, Mm. like, without messing up. (laughs) Before all that, like, Amazon was no big deal. Like, you could, you know, I remember buying, like, stupid stuff, like, a pedometer with a 200,000 rank, and I never worried about it. Right. Right? I would buy board games that were sealed and packaged, but maybe, like, the corners were, like, a little bit scuffed. Mm -hmm. Because you used to be able to sell new, and then you could describe the issue under new. Right. Now you can't even do that. Mm -hmm. Like, their expectation, if it's new, it's new. Like, not damaged in any way. And so you got to be wise about how you source for Amazon. So I kind of would say... It's time to steer away from the thrift stores. I mean, if you find unless something, you're unless you're sourcing for eBay, but Amazon. Yeah, you know, but but I'm saying for Amazon. Gotcha. Unless it's a vintage electronic that you can make sure that it's working well, mm. like even if it's not in a box, you can still send it to Amazon FBA. What about books? Well, yeah, books, but that's the obvious one. So I would say, okay, very good point. So yeah, if you're doing books. That's a no-brainer. Like, that's what Amazon initially was known for, right. books, right? But then you still got to be careful because the Amazon, like, the cutoff point for profit isn't like what it used to be. Hmm. So now if a book will, you know, if I can buy a book for, let's say, I don't know, less than a dollar and sell it for 10 I still am kind of cautious. Now, some of you resellers out there, like, you make a ton of money on that. Hmm. I myself won't. Like, unless I'm going to make big profit on a book, I won't pick it up anymore. But if you're sending it to them, they're storing it, what's keeping you from doing that? It's, it's the long-term storage fees. It's the Amazon Inventory Performance Index. It's, it, it's all those things. But so, that's just me. That's so let's my preference. Say, let's say I were to go 100% Amazon store, primarily books. Is that an issue with that, with the Amazon Index Performance thing? Like... Do you still struggle with those things, or is that less of an issue with books as it would it's be? It's less of an toys? issue because books, if they're less than a million rank, they're still going to sell. Mm. You know, especially textbooks. There are some textbooks that are like a million rank, and you'll still sell them by the time textbook season comes around. Well, that's weird. I, I, I've I've thought about that, and I've tried some textbooks, but it's amazing how fast textbooks become a addition behind, right? So yeah. now they're up to every edition. three years they renew. I almost feel like it's more than that. It's like, Sometimes it is. Because I feel like you could be on edition eight. And I when I went through my undergrad uh, program, I always bought like one or two editions like old. And I could get my textbooks for like five or six dollars. Never once had a problem in any of my classes with being able to complete the reading. Like they don't change that much. But that's the thing. The higher end textbooks, people will still buy the older editions for good money. Right. But so I would say, yeah, for Amazon, used books still the way to go. Gotcha. Like if, if, if anything, I'm talking about Q4 status. Gotcha. Like I'm talking about new items. Like you just got to be careful mm. because you don't want Amazon getting on your case or suspending your account. Mm. Like because when they suspend your account, they don't just like suspend one or two listings. They could suspend everything. Mm. And then I, what I have found, I remember last year I talked about this in the podcast. I was so scared because I bought, I sold and used, like, it was a translator. And it was working fine when I tested it. Mm-hmm. I sent it out. The person bought it, and they did the A to Z claim, and I, and I was so scared that I was going to be 
suspended. Hmm. And man, that was nerve wracking because yeah. it was right before Q4. So when you're sourcing, I definitely would say you got to go to the stores that are selling items new. It seems a little extreme that Amazon would, when if you've got, you know, you've been selling for years, you've got plenty of positive feedback that like one or two complaints would be that big of a deal, but it, it seems to be. It can be. Huh. I, I, I honestly believe that if you're suspended, there's, there has to be some major reason, right? Mm-hmm. Like my fear was just my fear. But again, I've seen people on Instagram saying, I got suspended because I had two infringement claims. Huh. So I don't know. But that's what I'm saying. When you source for Amazon, you got to source like brand new. And you just got to be careful. Even I would say if you're going to Marshalls or TJ Maxx, uh, you got to be careful. And we'll talk about the stores. But I remember going to, it was like a, it was a Marshalls, but it wasn't a Marshalls. <laughs> So it was a different name, but I don't want to give it out because it's kind of one of those places that I like sourcing. And I remember they had these toys, and they were new. And I think I put it in an Insta story. And then I noticed they were taped, and then when I took the tape off, they were returned. Ooh. And that's kind of scary. So yeah. think about it. I would have sent these returns to Amazon new. Somebody would have opened them. Like, it's Christmas morning. Yay! And, like, there's pieces missing. Oh, right? that would be terrible. So you got to be wise about where you source I feel them. like I feel like that's that's bad on them, right? Like, to, to, to sell things as if they're new when they're clearly returns, too. Like, they need to make that. Yeah, but what are you going to do? Like, hey, I if we sold this on Amazon, and you guys, because of you, I have bad feedback. Yeah. No, I know <laughs> you like, can't, but. Okay, let me give you another story. So, Resale Rabbit, to me, he was probably one of the best Amazon FBA sellers. Like, he traveled the country. If you guys haven't caught his videos, you should. Now he's, like, going viral with his uh, Amazon return pallets. But I remember when he came to San Diego, he went to, and you can find this when he goes to San Diego. He went to this resale store, and he kept finding these used, sorry, not used. He kept finding these board games that were sealed. Hmm. And I was like, wow, what a score. So I went to this store. I think I've told the story already, yeah. so forgive yeah. me. And what did I find at the store? They resealed wait, wait. them. At first, I found a bunch of sealed games. Mm. And then what happened? Yeah, so you asked them about them, and they said that, that they shrink-wrapped them yes. like in the back? I actually, I actually, because of your story, at the Salvation Army that I bought that uh, Risk Lord of the Rings game, yeah. I've actually bought a handful of board games from there. That have all been sealed, and I I went and I found the manager because I know who the manager is there, okay. and I just asked. Ooh, I said, "You're making connections." Well, I, I don't know if I have a, like a solid connection yet, but I I know like I talked to him a few okay. times. Okay. I know she's okay. the manager, okay. and I asked. I said, "Hey, do you guys reseal these?" Because of that story, yeah. right? I was kind of afraid, and she goes, "Nope, we just put them out however they come to us." So okay. it gives me a little bit more confidence. Is it possible that something that looks new in in box from a thrift store could be shrink wrapped from somewhere else? It could happen. I don't know. I After that not. store, like, I always wonder. Maybe I need a DM resale rabbit. You're going to have to and, tell me what store that is so I can avoid that or at least go in knowing. I'll tell you after. But I want to just hear from him. Like, did you get a bunch of returns on board games? Because he bought a few. Oh, that'd be terrible. Because I would be mad if I bought a board game because I have a huge board game collection. I love board games. And I love opening up a board game and punching out of the, the the cardboard cutouts, all the little pieces. You know, some of the games that I have that are like super epic games that take like six hours to play, 
literally have thousands Only of pieces. Only you. I cannot do that. They have thousands of pieces. And if you open it up and they've already been punched out and they're not organized and they're all over the place and you don't know if they're all there and you're in the middle of a six-hour game and you realize you're missing three little you know, cardboard, oh, I'd be furious. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Well, that's the thing. Like, you don't want that. So I think we've said it plenty, right? If you're doing Amazon, unless you're doing used books, like, be uber careful that you're going to, not reputable, but places that you know are selling brand new items. Make sure to go to Target and tell them you're a reseller. Oh, my. We're not going down that road. (laughs) Just kidding. All right. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so, and then the easy one is, like, if we're sourcing, right, locally, for local, like, it's anything. Yeah, anything goes. I, I mean, you got to be careful, though. Again, local, it's got to be stuff that you think is going to sell. The beauty of eBay is that those bizarre items or those ah, unique things can, okay. can reach a broad group. So just because you have something that's selling on eBay, um, but it's maybe too much to ship because it's too big, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go local. See, and I go back and forth. I have a thrift store that I know really well, and and they actually had a whole, like, um, I don't know, you know, Fox Racing, like right. Desert Gear. They had a whole setup, and they can't sell it because legally, like a helmet or whatever, they, you know, oh, they right. can come back it's not on DOT, them. Yeah. And they, you know, somebody had said, hey, you could probably pick it up. And I wouldn't do it either. But, mm. you know, if you're sourcing for local, like it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Right? I mean, in the end, like you make now, it's a little different with Offer Up and Let Go now because you, you go on there and like you put your information. It's not like Craigslist. See, right. There's an advantage to Craigslist. Yeah, I mean, it. It's I've sold several things on Craigslist, and the nice thing is it's cash in your hand. You didn't have to pay shipping. And and know. if you meet somewhere, like unless yeah. they get your plate, like yeah. that's it. You, you meet at a meet at a Starbucks somewhere, and yeah, you're good to go. I mean, not that you would ever scam anybody, but no, I get it. But you don't want something coming like you don't want to get scammed yourself. Right. Exactly. Like you sell something for three hundred dollars that was fully functioning. And like on Amazon, that could lead to bad feedback if it stops working, right? Or they mess it up. Or, or and I know people do this because I've seen people do this. You buy something brand new because the one you have broke and you replace your broken one with a new one and say, hey, it didn't work. I've had that happen I know people do that. So, yeah, I mean, that would be a thing with local, especially if they're coming to your house, right? That, mm-hmm. hey, you, know, you sold this to me, it doesn't work. So, yeah, one nice thing with Craigslist is go meet somewhere, you know it works. You you got a good conscience. You, you you can sleep at night. You're selling them something, and they can't scam you, right? Yep. And then like offer up is different because you put all that info. The say still can come back. Yep. So you just gotta be wise about how you source. Be careful. Be real. Okay, we're not. Are, are we ending? No, we're not done. We're oh, not okay. done yet. Here we go. All right. So we're okay. So we talked about you know where to source, but what to source, and we kind of talked about this with Q4, right? But Tell me, what are your thoughts? Have you gone to, like, outlet stores before? Yeah. Um, and what are you sourcing there and for what? Yeah, I'm not telling you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Give me a generality. No, I, yeah. I mean, I say that because, you know, we're I know. Right you got now, the stash really, right now that you're making money on. Well, yeah, and you know what, what I'm selling. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, we're trying to protect those things. You know, if you find, you know, we've talked about it a bunch. We don't want to, like, you know, over overkill this. But if you find something that is a good source for you, you find an item, 
don't necessarily share that with the world because you will be sabotaging yourself and other people who might be selling that item. They're in that little niche by themselves. And if you share that now, there's a thousand resellers in that market. It it crashes. So I think people got our point. Yeah. Like we did a whole episode. We did Insta post. I think everybody knows where we stand. Yeah, on. it's uh, it's really good to have a little bit of repetition. Okay, repetition is okay. So let me all right. Really let me good. talk about outlets a little bit. Please tell me about outlets. I'm not going to tell you specific stores. I will tell you one. Tell me. I want to hear it. No, not yet. Not yet. Okay. So I think outlet stores are a good place to source for all kinds of things, right? I mean, you know, for Amazon, a lot of people go to Nike, right? For, or there's this, okay, let me give you an example. There's this one store. I, I can't reveal this because I'm making a killing on the store. But there's this one store that I found out that I could be ungated in. Mm. And I'm talking about like low ranking items, right? Mm. So I never thought about that. Like, so those of you that are doing Amazon FBA, like think about outlets. Now, I'm not worried because there's so many outlet stores, right? right? And I'm not talking about Nike either. Okay, I think everybody knows about Nike, right? Do you think everybody knows about Nike when it comes to Amazon? I mean, I think so. It seems like that's the big, big thing. I got and so overwhelmed in a Nike outlet. I was just like, I'm out of here. But it's still a small pool of people that could sell there because it, the only way you get ungated is by having good metrics over a long span mm. of time. So what I found is that, like, the outlets are a good place. Like, I used to think, like, I could only go to Walmart. I could only go to Target. I could only go to Toys R Us for Amazon. Man, I have found some good stores. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense. I outlets see a little are... jealousy in your eye right now. No, not not jealousy. I mean, um, I, I wish I was ungated in some areas, but, you know, you learned it. You hustled. I just need to get there. You know, that brings me to a good, a good point here. So... Somebody had put a post on one of my on one of our Insta mm. posts, uh, well, comment, and said, "Why do you teach people how to ungate?" Did you see that one? I did. Yeah. And then somebody else replied, and I'm like, you know, but I thought, wow, like that's interesting because there are a lot of people out there that teach ungating, mm. and I've never had success with those. Have you had success with? Have you tried it all? Um, no, I mean. I I would definitely not judge somebody who's looking for that information because I've come to you. And I'm not you. trying to no, judge no, 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 no. I just, I'm looking at the comments. Yeah, so I, I've come to you multiple times asking for things. But, yeah, I don't know if I would trust, like, necessarily, like, little tricks and hacks. I think what you've told me and, and what seems to be right is just sell what you can sell, build up those metrics, prove that you're a good seller, and then make the request, right? Just put in the asked to be ungated and you could either be instantly approved or not. And over time, those gates open up. I mean, it's almost like a video game. If you think about it, like you gotta, you gotta (laughs) work your way to the next level. But there are loot boxes. Are there? And tell me about them. Well, some of them are like, and I don't know because I haven't done it, but I know some Amazon sellers like find distributors, Mm. like whether it be a toys or shoes, because sometimes Amazon asks for, an invoice. Right. And they but the ones that are really hard are the ones that ask for a letter directly from the manufacturer. Like those to me are a mystery. What what I want to say in all of this is there's nothing wrong in pursuing ungating by just doing a great job on Amazon. I, I truly believe Amazon rewards you. Mm. It's kinda of, it's kind of the same I even feel like with eBay, even though there's not gates, I feel like when you're first starting off and you have zero reviews right zero stars you might not be as trusted and people might be buying something from somebody else even if it's 
you know, they're selling it for more because you're not trusted yet. Once you get 100, 1,000, 10,000 reviews, people are not going to trust you. And I think it's the same thing, the customer in that sense, or Amazon in the ungating process. You've got you to prove yourself. But would you say you're a different seller now with more feedback than you were when you had zero? Oh, for sure. I think, I, I think that the first few people that I boxed stuff up and sent it to probably weren't packed as, as nice and neatly as I'm, I'm packing stuff now. So, and and it, it makes sense that with experience comes, you know, better service and understanding. And, and so. And maybe yeah. we'll get flagged for what I'm about to say, but I think with Amazon, I remember when I was first an Amazon seller, like when I first started, like, man, I would send in some interesting stuff. Hmm. like boxes that would have like a small den mm. sealed. I would send it in, right? And, and it made it through and I never got in trouble for it. But I think there's some value to that, that like the more you sell on Amazon, the better of a seller. So now when you start selling better items, there's a less of a chance of you messing that up. Yep. And some people aren't going to like hearing that, Yeah. right? But I find that now I, I do a far better job of making sure that my items are top-notch, they're brand new, there's no errors. I think what would make it easier, because a, a lot of people feel I feel like the same as I do, it would be nice if they were to say, you can't sell Nike until you have 100 positive reviews. Okay, unless, I Like if they if there was like, like, like specific, once you hit this benchmark, you get these items ungated, or you get level three items ungated, and certain brands are in that. And then once you hit this benchmark, but you're right. I think a lot of, because one of the things that I'm running into is, like you said, with like getting a letter from the distributor or from the, the the company that makes the product, is I think technically that is the the best, the most correct way of doing it is is technically buying from yeah, the Nike, wholesale. right? Yeah. Um, so when Amazon, I think for some people they just shut it off completely to everybody unless you have that. Not every brand, but certain brands, mm -hmm. it's unless you are a, like a legitimate reseller for that brand, then you're not selling for them. And and I think that's a way of protecting brands, which, which is a good thing too. Yeah, I agree. So anyways, going back to what we were saying, man, we, we were going on these rabbit trails in this episode, which I'm okay with. Which is good. But I have found that there are some good eBay retail arbitrage, right? So if you're thinking about Q4, so I'll give you an example. I went into Nike and I found these polo shirts that are like specific, they're Nike. And I don't want to give too much away, but these shirts go for 60 to 70 on Amazon. I'm mean, nice. sorry, on eBay. Yeah. They go 60 to 70 on eBay. And they're $14.99. They were clearancing out at $14.99. And then it was like a 30% sale on top of that. Mm. Okay. And man, I'm, you know, those things are going to sell. Like, no problem, hmm. right? And I never thought about that, right? Or I went to another outlet, and they had, you know, multi I, I did share this on my Instagram. I went to, like, the Disney store, and I bought these polos. And the and the polos, they were selling them, I think, for, like, $12.99 with 25% off. And then I got another 10% off. And I can sell those polos for 35 So I bought, like, 10 of them, one listing, one set of pictures, I'm going to make like $300, $400 profit. Oh, that's nice. Especially during Q4, right? So you got to think outside the box. Like, don't think just garage sales. Don't just think thrift stores. There's a lot to be said about outlets. Yep. Try different Try different avenues of, of 
of sourcing. And, sure. and talk to me. Don't, you don't have to tell me any specifics, but the place that you went to when you went to Palm Springs, right? How's that going? Great. I mean, we're we're consistently making sales off of the the items we purchased, um, and so ROI. How's the ROI on that? It's good. I it's I I, I kind of struggle with trying to think of the best way of figuring out how much money, or let me phrase it this way. When you sell an item, sometimes I think of, all right, bought the item for 20, selling it for 40. Okay. And I do my ROI based off of that. When I say ROI, we mean return on investment. So I think of, okay, so Poshmark is going to take 20%. I don't have to pay for shipping on that. So my actual profit is X amount. Then the other part of me thinks, and, and this is, you know, a little bit off topic, but the other part of me thinks, should I think of it as all of it is just recouping the original cost. So let's say I spent $1,000 store buying the initial, you know, inventory, mm-hmm. everything. So instead of thinking, oh, I made $15 on this item, I haven't made any money on the item yet until I make that money back, that 1000 And then everything after that, I look at as 100% ROI. That's how so, I see it. Yeah. The, the thing, though, is I, you have to know on that individual level that are you at least making X amount on an item so that way you're, making money that you're not, you know, just breaking even. No, I agree. I agree. But, but yeah, so to say what's the ROI on it, it's, it's been good. I mean, um, we're, we're making, I'm trying to think what the percentage is, but for just to give you an example for a $20 item we're paying, we're buying, um, we're netting probably $15 profit and we're selling several of those a week. So yeah, it's not, it's not terrible, especially when you can take, like you said, one picture or not one picture, but one set of pictures make one listing and throw the quantity at 10. That's that's time saved. And, you know, you're making $15 an item. That's not too bad. Yeah. So when you're sourcing, that's something to think about, right? Because garage sale and thrift stores, pretty much every item you pick up, you're going to have to do individual pictures and yep. listings. If you go to an outlet or you go to a factory store or whatever it is, like you have the possibility of buying a ton of items, making it one time. And if time is money, you're making money. You're making money. So there you go. All right, auctions. Haven't done one yet. I know you tried one, the online one. Didn't and I've done other it. auctions. I've done them before. And I've gone, actually, I've gone, Goodwill has auctions. Did you know that? I didn't know that. So if you go down by the border, man, but those, here's the thing. They, they're like these huge bins. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those of you that are watching on YouTube and those of you listening, when you think about the bin, I'm talking about like a 10-foot tall bin, like huge bin, and it's just stuffed with clothes. So why do they need to be watching on YouTube? For you to describe a 10-foot bin <laughs> when you oh. used your hands to make okay, a box anyways, like two right. feet big. Okay. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. It's getting late. Okay. There we go. All right. So I remember going to this auction, and I find that auctions are good if you're trying to sell a lot of stuff for cheap. Okay. Okay. So And that could be a lot of grunt work, a lot of... It is, but if you have, like, employees, mm. I guess it works, right? I mean, I know a lot, I know a lot of big resellers on YouTube and all that do have helpers Mm. and that's okay because they're the ones taking pictures they're the ones listing they just finalize things and they're making money Mm. right because I remember going to this auction and it was intense man it was like people are like boom 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 boom, yelling numbers and and I'm like "Uh," and I just couldn't get (laughs) I just couldn't get my my words out and they sold and I remember they let you preview it but it was hard because when you preview, like you only have so much time and it's a huge bin full of clothes mm. and it was really tough. Now, I know there's other people that go to auctions for hard goods and I've seen those too. 
And so there's a little bit more luck there. Like you get the whole day and I've gone to some of those, you get the whole day and you're able to like look through like the bins or whatever they have. And then you put a, put a bid in. So I would say if you're just looking to source a lot at one time, auction is a good place to go. What do you think you end up with though? A bunch of stuff that you're just redonating back to Goodwill? At times, at times, but it may be worth it based on the money you get. And how much money would you say one would have to put in their pocket to go to one of those auctions and hope to get a bin and come home? You know, when I was there, I remember some of the bins were going for like 60 bucks. Okay, that's not too bad. Some were going for 200. It all depends, right? I just remember going through them and going, wow, this is going to be a lot of work, Mm. right? So, and you know what? If you're brand new to eBay, it's probably worth it to you. Right, you hear about people going to Goodwill bins all the time. Like, there's a lot of money to be made on Goodwill bins. Or, can't remember who it was, but there was somebody who, like, they didn't really have any Goodwills or any stores around them, and so they would go sourcing twice a week, and they'd go and they buy by the pound, and they would buy like I don't know, five hundred pieces in mm-hmm. one sitting, and that would be good for them for two weeks. Nice. Right. So if you don't have anywhere local near you, or if you're trying to you know, kind of just start off eBay, like going to auctions is a great idea if you have the courage and the stamina to, to be there. Because that's the I'd like to try one. And then another thing we're going to talk about that I'm really excited about trying at some point is an Amazon return pallet. I really want to do one of those. You really want to do one of those? I want to do one. I'm a little scared. Now, they, they're, I, I, I got to look into it, but I, I know how to get them. I, I know where to go to find the information to mm. get them. So, Riso Rabbit has these videos on YouTube. And he has found some good stuff. Like, he had a whole palette of, like, Doctor Who, like, toys or whatever. And Doctor Who sells for money. Yeah. So that's a bolo, I guess. I don't know how much money it goes for now, but it does go for they go for money. Mm. So you want to do an Amazon palette? I want to try one. Yeah. It's not, it's not a lot of money. I I, I mean, I say about like uh, 200. It's like 100-something and then, like, 80 to ship. It's more than 80 to ship. Is it? I was looking them up. You're looking at couple hundred dollars minimum to ship so you would you be willing the only to split one? the only way you're paying 80 dollars to ship is if you're you're buying like 10 pallets at one time oh then it makes okay, each okay. one like 80 ah so you gotta buy a lot yeah so if you're just buying a single pallet that has to be loaded in a truck and that truck is making the stop and that's the only thing it's dropping off you're paying up now did you see the manifest like, are you able to see what's in the It pallet? depends. I mean, so I've looked at a couple of different sites where you can see them. And some of some of them are pretty cool because you can get, like, specific this this pallet comes from um, Home Depot or this pallet comes from Lowe's or this pallet comes from Amazon. Okay. And they show you, like, a handful of pictures of items that are in there. So it'll say, so like— So you're not talking about just Amazon returns. You're talking about just pallets. There's different— Yeah, there's different like liquidation places. Right. Okay. And, and it's usually returns, right? So, like— like if, you know, Lowe's has a bunch of returns and, and it's not lumber, right? But it's like, you know, hardware stuff for, you know, <laughs> like bathrooms. Yeah, probably some of those, but like, you know, bathroom faucets and things like that. And they'll take a picture of like a handful of the items that are in there and it'll just say like 97 items um, in home goods section of Lowe's. And then there'll be like seven of the items pictures of and then a picture of like the palette open and then that's it. And you just hope for the best. Well, it's interesting because uh, Side Hustle Pros, they're awesome. And they've been really up. I mean, if you see their journey from where they started and now they're like on their second warehouse, one of their first big videos on YouTube was a place they bought from Bulk, B-U-L-Q, I think. And they bought a bunch of stuff and they sent it to Amazon and they made a ton of money. Mm. But 
that was when Amazon was kind of not as strict, right? And what I think Chaz from Site of the Pros and Now would say was like, that's probably not the best place to source mm-hmm. for Amazon, right? Because a lot of the stuff they got was like damaged boxes right. and you don't know if it works. So we're saying, right, if you do pallets, unless you know for sure that it's brand new, it's probably best for eBay. Yeah, eBay. eBay and local and maybe Posh if you're getting But you some... need space to like store the stuff. Like in here, we'll put a pallet like right here. Would that be good decoration instead of just the... Uh... We'll put Freddie Funko on top of it. Yeah, I need to bring uh, Humphrey Bogart in too. There you go. Give him a buddy. They can they can have friends. It could be Freddie Funko and Humphrey Bogart and they could just chill. That's an odd combo. It is a little bit. Okay. All right. So weird. So, hey, maybe we'll do... Maybe in the future we'll do it. Let, we like, should do it and film it. Can we wait till after Q4 or do you want to do it before Q4? Yeah, we can wait till after Q4. Okay, yeah, because right now... Swamp. I can only imagine a pallet showing up and all the work because <laughs> there's so I think it was like a pro. I can't remember who it was, but it's somebody bought like... I think it was like a truckload of stuff and like a ton of it was like not working. Like they had mm. to test every single item. It was just a huge headache. Oh. See what I mean? Like I don't know if I want to source like from pallets. We'll think about it. We got time. It would be fun. Okay, okay. It would be fun. All right. All right. Last thing I want to talk about is look for stores that have exclusive items. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about? Like Target exclusive or Walmart exclusive. Yeah, that that that's good sourcing. Mm. Like Toys R Us right now, like it's no longer existent. Wait, what? Yeah. It's not? not? Yeah, did you not close? Oh man. Sorry. Sorry that you're late to the show. Oh. Okay. It's terrible. All right, so a lot of the Toys R Us exclusive, like I've sold a ton of Toys R Us exclusive stuff, but I'm not talking about just Toys R Us, like Target stuff, Walmart, even Costco. Hmm. Like sometimes during Q4, I remember last year, I sold a lot of stuff that Costco had. Now, I'm not Isn't that ironic to think about? Like you're literally buying, somebody's buying a Target exclusive item from not Target. Like, no, I know. It's weird. I remember (laughs) when I was sending stuff into FBA. Not really. I was like, I remember at first I was like, do I cover up the Target exclusive thing? But no, like everybody knows like what it is. So it's not a big deal. But, you know, when I say Costco, like it's very rare. But I remember there's a couple items last year that sold really well for me because, right, what do you need to get into Costco? Costco membership. Right. And so if people don't have that membership, like how else are they going to get it? Yeah, my wife has one and I don't. She splits it with her family. And so every time I go to Costco, I have to go with her. I love running to the store and doing errands and, like, helping her out. But if it's Costco, can't do it on my own. Yeah, and, that, and so, but that's one of the things. It's So you got to look for those things that there's a limited pool of people that can get it, right? And so, you know, we already talked about Target, we talked about Walmart, we talked about Costco, but there's other stores. Like, it's very limited, or even outlets. Hmm. Like, people only have access to so many outlets. Right. Right, so you remember those? Uh, did I talk to you about those electronics that I purchased? I'll tell you after the podcast. Yeah, tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but I bought a bunch of awesome electronics at a ridiculous price, and I kept one of them for myself. And I feel bad now because I should have contacted you and seen, hey, do you want one? Oh, this is not good. That's messed up, man. Okay. <laughs> So I bought my feeler them. is hurt. Oh, I bought them, and then the other day I saw them at Walmart at full price. I was like, "Oh my!" Like I scored. Does that store still exist? Can I go back it's, and get some more. It still exists. We'll talk about it. All right. But the items that I'm reselling don't are, are gone. Like I went 
three I'm days out. later, and they were all sold out. Mm. Like, I bought a ton of them already, but I wish I bought everything out. But, oh, well. Live and learn. Live and learn. So think about that. Like, when you're sourcing, don't only look for what's in that store, but look at what's only in that store or that chain of stores. Because who knows? That could bring you some big, big, big profit. I like it. Do you think we've exhausted this? Yeah, I think so. I think before we go, I uh, got to give my uh, my quote. Are we doing quotes even on these, like, not updated? Every week. Oh, my. Quote of the week. You know what? Here's That's the sad thing. People the week, know that quote this of is the ending, every other week. So they're going to turn it off before you say your quote. No way. People will turn it off after the quote because right, they ahead. love the okay. quote. All right. I actually had several, but I think uh, I think the one that's going to come today because it's short and you want short. And I don't want to drag this out any longer than it needs to be dragged out. <laughs> so I'll do the short quote and not the longer quote. Okay. I've got a, quite a few longer quotes, but we'll do the short one for sake of time and for our listeners. So here we go. Short quote. Some games you can only play if you're all in. I think that's a good one. That is good. Especially with this, right? Like when you're when you're really thinking about getting into Amazon and doing it, um, you can dabble. But if you really want to play the game, you got to be all in. Yeah, but it's totally relatable to this. So it's a great quote. I keep saying it's a great quote. So maybe we'll keep, I, know. I don't know. But you hate when it, you're but talking it's about <laughs> When you're talking about sourcing, like reselling, like you got to be all, part of being all in is like expanding where you source. Yep. Right? So I hope in this episode we gave you a ton of places and I have no problem sharing, right? Because... There's so much out there. Yeah. Tell us your places too, right? Again, don't sabotage the market, right? If, don't share your specific item. But if you've got places that are like, hey, it's really good. Check out these types of places or this is a good auction site. You know, share the information with the community. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, where do you source? 100% agree. All right. So, hey, you can always find us Instagram, Purosol Podcast, Facebook, Purosol Podcast. We are also on Twitter as... Uh, Pure Hustle Cast. Nice. Pure Hustle Cast. Give us a call, 619-738-1170. Email us, purehustlepodcast at gmail.com. And just shoot us a DM every once in a while if you like. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. So, hey, thanks for listening. Make sure to always be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Peace. Peace.